In almost any moment, you can make this ineffable movement of the mind to rouse mindfulness, to come into presence, to be aware and be aware that you're aware. So bringing to mind a mental image of a mountain or a majestic range of mountains, however that appears to you, an image in the mind, a felt sense, and taking in the beauty of this mountain. Perhaps there's snow at the top of the mountain, a green and other foliage across the mountain. Notice how the mountain is stolid and steady and grounded, unwavering. Imagine as if your body was taking on the character of the mountain. The bottom of your body grounded to the earth, steady like the mountain. And the head moving upward like the peak of the mountain. The sense of wideness and Steadiness. Sun rises, warming the mountain. Sunsets, cooling the mountain, and the mountain just sits. The seasons come and go, bringing many changes. flowering and activity of spring, the warmth of summer, the icy coolness of winter, changing colors of fall, and through it all the mountain just sits. Winds of all kind blow through the mountain, icy winds, storms of rain and sleet and snow and hail. Through it all, the mountain just sits.
Many people visit the mountain, some admiring its beauty, some complaining it's too hot, too cold, it's too hot, the trails are too steep. The mountain is unaffected by these opinions and views. The mountain just sits. As we sit together, continuing to allow your body to take on this equanimous nature of the mountain. Anchoring to the weight of the body Stillness of the body. And even if you wish this movement within stillness, the flow of breath through the body. The mountain doesn't have to strain or struggle to be steady. It's just the nature of the mountain. Mountains not trying to be a better mountain. A mountain is at ease with its intrinsic mountainness. We can develop the same ease with 
our authentic self. So the next um, item on the closing schedule is uh, Adam will lead us in a process to end officially the period of noble silence to ease us back into some mindful speech. All right. The moment you've all been waiting for. So before we get in, to, we start to do this, just, just know that for some people, this can be a very uh, tender process. And so when we speak, we want to keep the, uh, the container of, of mindfulness and awareness. We don't want to just leap back into our communication that we had before. So we want to ease into it, intentional with words, feel into the words, feel into what you're, what you're saying and honor the... the the process of the others in the group. Yeah. So quietly uh, and rather swiftly, if you can, we get into groups of three, like we did before. And if you can't find a group, uh, you can raise your hand. Yeah. And it's nice if you can kind of huddle in together, maybe make a little little circle, so you're all facing one another. Oh, do you have the this, this stick? And raise your hand if you don't have a group. So come over here. I think we'd rather have two groups of two than one group of four, right? So rather than a a group of four, if we can have two groups of two, um, who doesn't have a group? Okay. Got it? All good? Okay, so uh, the way we'll do this is the person who is closest to the back altar will go first, and we'll go clockwise, just so you know that going in, all right? But for now, just pause for a moment and just feel one another's, another's presence. And just notice the simple reorientation into this more relational field, where you notice that in your body, where the energy is, is concentrated, and, and see if you can distribute that energy through the, the body. Sometimes it's concentrated in the head or the heart. 
when you speak, you can take your time. This isn't about performance or anything like that. It's just a, a process to begin uh, relating to the external world. So when I ring the bell, you will start, and the prompt will be, uh, from this week, what in nature has touched you or been meaningful to you? Now, that can be external nature. It could be the trees or the lizards or the turkeys or birds, something like that. But it can also be something from your, your own nature, something that came up in meditation or something that you learned. So just whatever arises. And so when I ring the bell, the first person will speak. The other two will listen. And then after three minutes, I'll ring the bell again, and we'll just return to silence just for a few moments. And then I'll ring the bell again, and then the second person will go, and we'll continue that process through. And then we'll have a fourth round where we'll, we'll speak uh, freely. Okay. First person may begin.
So bringing it to a close, just coming back into silence for a few moments. Feel the energy come back. When I ring the bell, uh, the second person So closing, pausing, feel the presence of the others. Just a reminder of the prompt from this week, what in nature has touched you or been meaningful to you, external or internal. When I ring the bell, the third person can go, and if you're in a group of two, you can just converse amongst yourselves.
finishing up the last few words, coming back to silence, stillness, and just notice what that's like. Feel a little stirred up or how the energy is landing. Breathe. And then when I ring the bell again, you can just talk freely amongst yourselves for just a, a little little bit. Is anything left unsaid? All right, so returning back to silence, just pause. I know it's a very short time, but yeah, pause. And then perhaps bowing to one another in gratitude for the share, this meaningful, tender moment. Nice, and then we'll just come back to our seats. So um, now we're going to share some thoughts about going home. uh, And I'm going to start with telling you the story of my friend Dave who came to a retreat much like this and spent many days gathering the attention, cultivating a steadiness, doing his walking and sitting and mindfully doing his yogi job and really trying to um, maintain that continuity of awareness and the transitions. And then the retreat was over and he went to his job working at the zoo. And uh, as was the custom, he showed up for work and he checked in with his supervisor to figure out what the task of the day was. And his supervisor could see that Dave was talking really slowly and he's kind of like very, you know, dropped into kind of a different way of being, as we sometimes do. So his boss said, Dave, why don't you work with the tortoises? (laughs) As this will be a really good match for the energy they have here. So Dave's like, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, I'll work with the tortoises. And the, the supervisor came to check in on him a few hours later, and Dave was standing there looking confused. The door to the tortoise enclosure was open, and the tortoises were gone. And he's like, 
Dave, what happened? Dave said, you know, I, I was opening the door. And then whoosh. I'm going to turn it over to Luigi now. (laughs) So um, I'm just going to offer some, maybe some tips or little uh, trailblazes that uh, will reassure you as you move into this part of the retreat. And I'm saying this part of the retreat, really, this going home process is yet an an extension of the retreat process. So, um, you know, in spirit of Gulu's story there, I just want to remind people that this road, this main road, if you drove here, Sir Francis Drake... It's 55 miles per hour, so. Gas is on the right. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we all have varying relationships to impermanence. Maybe this, sometimes impermanence can feel like a blessing. And sometimes uh, it can make us quiver. And um, I, I want to just speak a little bit to what what you might expect in the coming days. Um, it, it because this process is very gradual. You may not fully appreciate how sensitized you have become, both in the you know the physical senses, but also just in your your heart, the emotional center. So um, really taking really good care of that. And, um, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit tender, a little lonely, I've found, because we've been practicing here together in a community and uh, kind of with similar aims and to then some some of us might be going home to very busy life um, and some of us might be going home to um, not so much activity. So, um, But sometimes some feelings of loneliness can arise just because of the fact that we've been in a very particular process here. So um, I, I like to, you know, just talk about how the retreat is here and, you know, can leave these experiences here. I um, one time when I came home from a retreat, I got oatmeal. I bought yogurt. I bought <laughs> granola and bananas and peanut butter, and I chopped it all up, nice and neat. I never do that, you know, in my daily life. I chopped it up really neat, and then I put it in the bowl, and I I sit facing the the window, looking out. It was just like this suburban street. <laughs> and I took a bite of my oatmeal. I was like, oh, it's not the same. You know, the yogurt tasted different. The granola was not like spirit rock granola. So 
um, you know, letting it go bit by bit, letting it go. The important parts have already landed and conditioned the heart and the mind, um, and the rest you can let fly freely. Um, So uh, just be aware of that emotional variability. Uh, There might be an increased sense of vulnerability, and all that comes along with that. Often vulnerability can be coupled for some of us who have not had great experiences of being vulnerable, could be coupled closely with some fear, so it's just taking tender care of that. Um, be in the spirit of going slow. Um, we took a vow of renunciation or the practice of renunciation through the precepts way long ago. It's like, now it's like spirit time, right? It's like, it just happened, but it's also eons ago that we came on the first day. Uh, so similarly, it's going to feel like, you know, everything is going to spring up again. Gmail will arise. Phone notifications will arise. And um, it's a really wonderful practice opportunity to notice some of those habit energies re-arising, I find it's really futile to try to keep up some kind of of ideal of renunciation around it. It may be different for you. I'm just speaking from my own personal practice. I I would get really quite tight around trying to preserve something. So instead, it's been much more fruitful, actually, and given me a lot more information about the mind and the habit energies to just be taking care not to open 300 emails all in one sitting, to be sensitive, but to watch that, you know, that real strong pull towards stimulus. Um, You may want to avoid watching really loud action-filled or violent movies for the next few days. Um, Nature documentaries are a good alternative. (laughs) David Attenborough's voice is very soothing. Um, And uh, you may wish to hold off, like Gula was mentioning, the person who gave away his car you may want to hold off on any major life decisions. So if a thunderbolt hit you in a retreat that said, you know, oh, this is the way I need to go with my life, uh, give it a few, give it a few before putting that plan into motion just to feel the, the, how the retreat is continuing to condition you. The process is still rolling. Uh, And then just finally, um, you may have kind of felt into the preciousness of these experiences in the minds of the people that you were just sharing with and in your own heart, how these experiences are, um, yeah, precious. And... um, 
you will be, you know, your loved ones, friends, co-workers might ask, oh, you went on retreat. Oh, it's so nice to take a vacation. It was like probably like a spa. You got a lot of rest and relaxation, got away from it all, huh? And then, you know, how was it? And they don't actually, well, maybe, maybe they will really want to know. And if so, they will persist in asking you for more details. But most people don't really, they just want to hear, I had, yeah, it was, thank you, I was fine, it was nice, you know, whatever. And share those, you know, you may want to hold those precious experiences a little bit closer to the heart because if, you know, and it's okay to risk sharing them, but you want to be, you kind of have some discernment with where you're sharing it because when those precious experiences are not received in the ways that you're hoping to uh, be received, then it, it can land tenderly or be feel, feel disconnecting in some sort of way. So just taking some gen- extra um, discernment and care around that. Anything else? Take opportunities to rest, too, you know, just to, you'll notice that the energy is going up and up and up and up, and just, it's okay to just say, hey, I I need to take a minute, go into the bathroom, uh, you know, close the door and just take a few breaths or feel, feel the feet, and it's okay to kind of just step out and match the pace the internal pace, take opportunities to match the internal pace rather than try to kind of rise up to meet the pace of the world. You will have to, 55 miles per hour. Um, and and then, you know, give yourself some breaks from that. So, thank you. Yeah, just to continue to build on some of the things Luigi said, um, this is a good time to uh, keep the practice going. To Sometimes coming off a retreat, there's a kind of energy and enthusiasm. Um, one encouragement I got early on in my practice, which has been really helpful, is that that starts now. Like the way that you continue to have some sense of awareness of the body, awareness of the breath, and that's something that you can carry out the door, you can carry into your car and your drive, airport, whatever's happening. And also, um, very often my experience of leaving a retreat is like there's some really clinging to a particular state or way of being Many of us feel quite calm and collected, maybe as calm and collected as we've ever been. And um, to remember that we started this retreat talking about the special conditions of this container that enable that. So for most people, it's not really sustainable outside of retreat. So rather than trying to sustain a particular state. States actually come and go all the time. We've seen that in technicolor clarity 
when we sit on retreat and watch our mind, um, we can cultivate daily life conditions that lead to more mindfulness, more awareness. Um, one of these things is having a daily practice. It's been the most profoundly helpful thing I've ever done to commit time every day to sit. Um, and for me, it's become kind of non-negotiable. Like I, I have that time set aside and that time is dedicated to that. Um, kind of no matter what, you know, we all have to decide our priorities in life and um, when I work with people as a mentor, people often say, you know, I don't have time to meditate. And I encourage them to, sometimes I'll do this with people, we'll do an inventory of how you spend the whole day. And then what's the thing that could be swapped out? You know, that, those two episodes of Netflix at the end of the day. Or, and nothing against Netflix, but how are we prioritizing what's helpful to the... Um, Cultivation of the mind, the taming of the mind. Setting modest goals and something that you can actually achieve. Sometimes come in, I've come off of retreat with so much enthusiasm. I'm going to sit an hour and a half a day and, you know, that only lasts so long. Um, A modest goal, if you already have a daily practice, maybe it's a time to lengthen that amount of time to build... Um, build off the momentum that you have here. And then the other experience I often have, and Luigi alluded to this a little bit, is the feeling of something's lost or, you know, I'll go home and something annoying or irritating will happen and I'll get upset. I'm like, ah, you know, there, it's all back. I've lost everything. You know, the mind just starts (laughs) spinning. But really that's an opportunity to see um, that's an opportunity to practice the first noble truth. You know, suffering's arising. You know, I drop in an inquiry. What what am I clinging to in this moment? How am I wanting it to be? So that actually, the time after retreat is a tremendous opportunity to explore the things that bind us, because we will notice shifts in reactivity when we're meeting more stimulus and more. Um, living in a world where there's actually more contention and more responsibility. So really keep that close to heart. One of my favorite teachings, um, there's a lot of dharma being created in India at the time of the Buddha, and that dharma kept getting carried to um, China. And the Chinese... Sages were trying to integrate and synthesize and understand this material, and then more and more and more material would come. And about 500 years after the time of the Buddha, a sage wrote a book, and he synopsized all of the Dharma into one pithy phrase. Want to hear it? The phrase was, awakening beckons from within everything. And that's something I really try to keep close to my heart, that whatever's happening in experience is an invitation to awaken in some way. Awakening beckons from within everything.
one more thing that we're doing, this is not Spirit Rock authorized or Spirit Rock endorsed, um, but Luigi, Adam, and I are going to hold a session a week from tomorrow for all of you, anyone that would like to come. We're calling it the Foundations of Mindfulness Integration Session. And uh, that'll be at 10 a.m. via Zoom a week from tomorrow. All of you that opted in to share emails with the teachers will receive an invitation. You're welcome to come. Uh, We'll be inviting you to support us if you're inspired to do so. But um, just a little bit of extra support on your integration journey. We'll turn it over to JD. Thanks, Gulu. Yeah, I'll be um, teaching a retreat at Vallecitos Mountain Retreat Center in New Mexico next week, so I won't be able to join you for that. But I'll be thinking of all of you. Because what I wanted to speak to is this, uh, we spoke about it the first night, this jewel of Sangha, of community. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, the we have learned in our country, and I don't think we needed to hear this from, but that there's like the, a real um, challenge of loneliness. And I don't know about you, but there there's something that was really transformative for me in practicing in silence with people that really helped me realize, oh, humans aren't so bad. <laughs> you know, just like... Yeah, we, we may have these quirks and ways that we engage once we open our mouths or do things, but there's this real beauty in there. And when we find Sangha, people who are aligned with the Dharma, aligned with these values of opening our hearts and minds and really practicing, it's really uh, precious. And so creating that in your lives can be really, really supportive. And uh, it doesn't have to be a big deal uh, I have uh, I have a I, I practice at the East Bay Meditation Center, and you know, 15 years ago we started a monthly group as a result of one of the teachers, and we've just continued. And I don't show up every month, but these are people who you know we practice the Dharma together, and uh, we actually call ourselves the Turtles because we are so slow with everything. We start studying something and instead of finishing it in one session, it goes on for six months, you know, kind of thing. And so this, uh, but this alignment of having a shared language, a shared desire, provides the opportunity to practice together. I have another group that I meet with. We were meeting in we're kind of similar neighborhood, and we were meeting in each other's yards or houses before the pandemic. And then now we meet for 45 minutes on Zoom every Monday morning. And once again, sometimes someone has to bring their car into the mechanic or something so they don't show up. But that's just like Monday mornings. We have that and uh, sit for 30 minutes and have a 15-minute check-in. And, um, you know, it's really precious to keep just have that alignment in that way. So uh, I bring this in because um, there's also a plethora of opportunities online too. 
um, including the access to the, te- the all the offerings we've had this week. There's a code that you saw there, and you go on to Dharma Seed, and you put that in, and they'll all be available. Some of them are also, so they'll, they're there for your continued uses, as well as lots of other teachers on Dharma Seed. Dharma Seed is the repository for Spirit Rock and the other um, the other insight meditation uh, centers and and this tradition, this lineage, and then there's Audio Dharma, which is in the South Bay, and and there's also I know a lot of people use apps and those kind of things, and so there's lots of places online to help with the steadiness and the continuity. It's not exactly the same as a relational field that we get with humans here, and so. Um, I really encourage you, like, if if there isn't something, see what you can do to kind of just put the word out and start small. And it's amazing. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but it can really be a, a gift to yourself. Like, oftentimes I think, oh, I'm, I'm going to put this out because I really need it. But then it creates the beauty of the reciprocity of people. And so as you're looking, see, you know, like... You can try some different ones that are on Zoom. Like I, I really think it's beneficial to have a weekly group, you know, whether you know, so that you can kind of have that continuity, um, and uh, try some different ones and see how you land with the format, the teacher, the time, and all that kind of thing. And then also, you know, we can kind of be looking for that perfect one. We can be like, oh, I need the perfect one. And like this group that I've been in for over 15 years, there are some people in there that still annoy me. Like I'm not enlightened yet. Like I'm still like, like, whoa, you really, you're really still saying that I, you know, and I look at myself and like, well, what am I still doing, you know, kind of thing. So it's this possibility. It's really like, wow, it's just the flavor of the mirror to be like, oh, we're in this, we're these imperfect, you know, um, uninstructed worldlings as one of the translations as we're still practicing. And so this practicing across difference and with difference and celebrating our difference is really, really important to me and to find communities like the community that I was just mentioning is a multiracial, multi-gender, multi-age sangha. And so people are really bringing in different perspectives and that is really rich because the um, ability to meet each other is really part of the possibility of awakening with this practice of mindfulness is this opening to our preconceived notions, our projections, and we can really begin to break down some of those, you know, implicit biases and the um, stereotypes that we have. We can, they can be, we can be awakened to them within us, our own, how they play out in our own lives and also how they play out in our communities. And, so um, there are many sanghas out there. You know, I have participated in sanghas, um, you know, in the alphabet rainbow community because I found a home there and I participated in sanghas for white people looking at, you know, disrupting racism. I've participated in sanghas where we're looking at social justice. I've participated in different sanghas or, you know, different interests. And so you can be guided by your interests, but also open to the possibility of, you know, wow, let me try this too, so that we can kind of have a both and there. Um, the last thing that I want to say is that um, some people are looking for particular teachers to have an ongoing mentorship, and there are teachers that some of us do that as well. Like if you wanted to have an ongoing mentoring 
situation with some teachers, that that can be really supportive. And one of the ways to do that is just to kind of begin to see like, oh, I like that teacher, where are they teaching? And so you kind of just be like, oh, you know, I'm going to listen, you know, they're going to be at this retreat, so I'll go to that retreat. And so beginning to kind of integrate that, or, oh, they're teaching on Monday night here at Spirit Rock. And so beginning to kind of, you know, not, you know, follow them, but just to kind of like, I'm, that resonates with me, that's, that, those teachings. And so, and also some people do the one-on-one mentoring as well um, to support in your ongoing unfolding of your practice. So that can be supportive as well. And just really um, knowing that this jewel of Sangha, the Buddha says, you know, it's, it's really just so precious for our practice. And Thich Nhat Hanh, who I've mentioned before, Venerable Thich Nhat Hanh, he said, you know, the next Buddha may be the Sangha. You know, it may not be an individual, it may be all of us, you know, together. And so just really kind of bringing in that relational field at the same weight and value of some of the other things that we might be practicing with. So um, now we're going to open the field to questions about practice, questions about going home. Um, Maybe just try to get to the nugget of your question right away so we'll have more space for more people. Is this working? No, it's not. It might be muted. Try quick pressing the red button. Check. Hello? Hello? Yeah, there we go. All right. Okay. Question in the back there. I have uh, two quick questions. One is, um, and maybe they're related, one is like, what is a reasonable amount of time and to start meditating daily. And I see the smile. I know that it depends is coming my way, but just curious your, your thoughts on that. And then um, the other kind of related question is, and again, maybe this is me missing the point a little bit, but how did you all personally know when you were, um, I guess, growing in your, your practice, your mindfulness? Yeah, but good question. I, I'm smiling because when I teach in the legal community, the question is usually, what's the minimum amount I can do to get results? <laughs> I, think, I think of uh, meditation the same way I think about fitness training. Like, certainly five minutes of exercise is better than no minutes of exercise. But five minutes of exercise is probably not going to result in meaningful fitness. I would say 30 minutes is what I've kind of seen with working with people uh, is meaningful. 
um, and leads to changes in perception. Getting to your second question, you know, I have mostly noticed that the practice is working because uh, people reflect that back to me. You know, you're less grumpy than you used to be. You're, you know, like you're listening more clearly. It's, it's, it's hard to tell your own. There are moments where I feel like I have clarity or I remember the day that my road rage went away. It wasn't even a project. It just was gone. Instead of being angry at the person that went across five lanes, I was really concerned for them. <laughs> What's going on in their life that they're doing this? Um, the piece of data that I have is that uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction, there's a tremendous amount of research using that as the meditation protocol. And that curriculum starts people at 45 minutes a day. And there, there's a study, you know, it's controversial, but there's a study that showed um, changes in the brain after just a couple months of 45 minutes a day. Hi, um, Luigi. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, in your role as a therapist, obviously you um, like are dealing with a lot of like really heavy traumatic stuff. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about how you are able to to handle that. Uh, maybe if like the practice comes into it, coping mechanisms, etc. think can you remind me your name please uh richard richard thanks so richard what i'm hearing in there is a question about emotional capacity to be able to meet what is painful is that yeah and uh it's always changing for me i'll just answer that question very personally for me, it's it's always changing, and what's actually happened with the practice, and I think there may be like when I talk to various people on the path, what it sounds like is that there's a turning point. But um, for me, what's actually been highlighted is that I didn't have as much capacity as I thought I did or I didn't have as much capacity as I wanted to have. And so there was ways in which I was kind of managing the the overwhelm by tuning out in different, in subtle ways. And so as I'm kind of with increased sensitivity to that, there's just kind of structural things that need to happen to make sure that what's coming in the door is something that is digestible. And that may mean that, and what that's actually meant for me is really slowing down in the other parts of my life. 
So, um, you know, I used to be a kind of a, I went to lots of events, lots of potlucks, lots of, you know, it was like lots of stimulation. And over time, I noticed that in the kind of the non, the periods of time where I wasn't holding people, that that actually needed to be uh, reserved for rest um, and recoupment. And um, yeah, I think that there's also just this sense of like the the system can handle what it can handle, and I can't, I don't, I don't have much say so in that. And then the, what I do have some say so in is when it does feel like it starts to spill over into beyond the capacity of this heart to to be with, that there is just kind of larger structural ways to to meet it and take care you know and that can be tender if, if in in like personal relationships because i have a often worries that oh the person will feel rejected or abandoned or too much or something like that and so i, I historically have kind of pressed past that and tried to show up for the person but i've noticed that there as as sensitivity increases, it's actually a gift to, it's, it's not helping anybody for, for me to kind of just blow past that uh, to try to show up. It has to be really solidly within what the heart can meet. So um, does that kind of meet your question, Richard? Okay, thank you. Hi. Um, do you have any suggestions on talking to children about retreat? Because I, I have three, and I overheard my oldest tell my youngest that mommy was going to go join a cult on Monday. <laughs> and I want to explain to a kid what this meant or what this was. Um, I have actually done as a teacher worked teaching mindfulness in schools. And so, um, you know, especially working with elementary kids, I, I actually, you know, there's a book, actually, Mindfulness is Your Superpower, which I, I really like. And, um, and so, you know, when I go in, you know, if you look at the superpower movies, like usually when Spider-Man or whoever Iron Man shows up, they, they pause before they go in. You know, do you, do you like Iron Man, you know, even does that thing where he touches the ground and is like that, that, <laughs> that posture, you know? And so I bring that in. Like they don't go right in. That pause is actually mindfulness. That's the moment, you know, like that pause of not rushing in. And, um, and so a lot of times you know, when we're teaching and working with younger people, it's like, what mindful, you know, this is what it is, but what isn't it? So like, if the opposite of mindfulness is like, let me like, just like elbow Luigi without realizing, which is like, like not knowing where my, you know, like that. And so, um, you know, when we, when I, one group that I was working with, we, I mentioned this about the superheroes, and then we were, you know, we put on our mindful bodies when we practice, because when they're not on all the time, you know, we put on our mindful bodies, and then I asked the kids, you know, like, um, you know, well, how do we start? And they were like, well, you know, one kid was like, raising, you put on your Superman suit, you know, like, so it's, we're actually, we're, we're cultivating a capacity 
So often our capacity is this intellectual capacity. So the kids who actually have this capacity to hold, it's a different capacity. And they, we might not realize how valuable it is in our culture that's so fast. And so I think, um, you know, building in those places of pausing, of of gratitude practice is a really transferable one. Um, and also just this way of inviting, not forcing, you know, um, I have a young person in my life who when he was younger, he would meditate, but now he's a teenager and no way, you know, that's not happening anymore. And I just have to rest assured that there's something in there, you know, that, you know, like that they're gonna, so it's, it's just an invitation, you know, a cushion makes, if you want to sit down and then get up whenever, I find the books are really helpful, like this, that one. There's a puppy mind book about you know, the mind is a puppy. I love that one. There's um, the one that has the snow globe. There's a, the, uh, I can't remember the name of that book, but there's lots of really great books out there. There's some actually down in the bookstore. I didn't mean to have that be a promo, but um, <laughs> it's a place. So... Um, it's, it's it, you know, I think just this ability to pause is really a huge one. And, um, and for kids to know that we as adults need that too is really important. You know, it's really important for them to know that we too run out of steam. You know, that we need to, like... I just need to take a break right now. Like that's that's a really that's a that's that's important in our society that we need to pause and recharge. When I was five, my father taught me a game, and he called it the count the breaths game. And uh, I was very competitive, so he said, "When you get, I, I used to like the show Kung Fu. I don't know if you guys remember that, but there's a." There's a scene where the master says, when you can snatch the pebble from my hand, it will be time for you to leave. So my dad said, when you can count to 108 breaths, it will be time for you to leave. But I never got there. (laughs) (laughs) Question over here? Oh, and there was one. Hello. Um, I have a question. I study... um, anti-oppression, anti-racism, and emotional well-being. And I have noticed that sometimes those topics and learning about historical facts and present-day events uh, do bring up a lot uh, of emotions. And I was wondering if you have any tips on how to meet those emotions, because they can be pretty heavy sometimes. And so, thank you. Um, I think, you know, a really strong practice of compassion is, is what has helped me because what I realized is that um, you know, especially as a white person in this world, there's a way that I can be removed from some of those. And so I, in, in turning towards and really turning towards 
I think of it as like increasing my stamina, increasing my capacity. And so um, knowing my own suffering first, being able to hold my own, even if I feel like, oh, I want to disregard it because, oh, it's not that bad, but really knowing it and owning it has really helped me be able to be there for others. And so that's the first thing. And then, um, you know, part of our practice of mindfulness is realizing when we have that, like, aversion towards. And so as we grow our capacity, can we open, you know, intentionally be like, this too, holding this too. I mean, the world... um, You know, Ruth King, who's a mindfulness teacher, says, you know, racism is a heart disease and it's wounding all of our hearts. And can we open our hearts to that wound? So recognizing the fear, the trepidation, and really this these heart practices I have found to be very, very supportive because the intellectualizing of it is I don't find is as transformative. Thank you, uh, Juan, for your work. Uh, very important work. And um, I think what's coming to me is, um, you know, in addition to what JD's shared, is really finding that spiritual friendship and holding things collectively. Because um, some things are really hard to hold just in. I mean, we're we're never apart from each other, but sometimes the part of what I think the delusion of social oppression has created is the sense of isolation and the sense of disconnection. And so we really want to uh, build our connections with people around real conversations so that that delusion of separation can really be checked out in the moment. And uh, um, and I think the selection of spiritual friends requires some discernment uh, because some of the harms and the difficulties of the world are very frightening to most people. Uh, we, we respond to that, we react to what is overwhelming and fear, you know, fearsome in different ways. And there are wise ways of meeting that. And then there are ways that kind of add to the turmoil. So we want to find friends who can meet things in open, heartful, resourced ways that don't actually contribute to the hostility, the conflict. That doesn't mean that we're picking yes people. You know, we're not picking people who are just conforming or going along with things just for social ease. We are wanting people who see the truth, who seek the truth, who value the truth, but we're also picking people who um, uh, um, 
know how to honor the truth without contributing to further uh, suffering. You know. I have time for one or two more. Hi. Um, I guess my question is is more about any advice that you have about, um, I think the word encouraging is a complicated one, but um, advice for gently sharing these practices with others. Um, for me personally, I was, um, I've had people that I love dearly. Um, I think that we're very gentle about encouraging these practices for me, but it, it felt, um, I, I had a lot of frustration and around that, which I've had some time to reflect on. Um, so I'm just wondering what your advice is for trying to be as gentle as possible um, or, or whether that even is, is a helpful thing to, um, to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I love that question. And it, and it just shows how that when we spend this time in cultivation, the heart kind of gets excited about, um, not only our own well-being, but the well-being of others. It's kind of a natural movement of the heart. It's actually that movement of the heart that finds me sitting in this seat here. Um, I'll quote Jack Cornfield. He says, my family loves it when I'm, my family hates it when I'm a Buddhist, but they love it when I'm a Buddha. So the way in which like proselytizing is usually annoying to people, but when we share our qualities of heart, we share our generosity, we share our steadiness, we share our compassion, even a practice I'm really trying to do in my daily life that's been so profound, it's so simple, is to just really pay attention to people when they're speaking to me, to, to, liter- to figuratively and literally put everything down and just to attend to people. And uh, people can feel the difference. Sometimes they can't even tell, you know, what's happening here, but this feels pretty good. I think that's much more powerful. And then sometimes people will ask, you know, uh, notice something about you, you know, what, what do you, you know, that's kind of like, I want what you're having. Uh, and then that's an opportunity to talk about the practice. I'm also a big believer in getting training. I first sought out teacher training, not really with any idea of teaching, but with an idea of solidifying my own practice. And the more voices we have in the world who are able to speak about these technologies of mind, you know, the better. And there's and we live in a time where these trainings are widely available. I'm training a group of lawyers starting in February to be mindfulness facilitators. You know, we have some lawyers in the room, so maybe you'll join us. Thank you. So now we're, um, 
you know, there's a lot of moving parts in retreat, a lot of things happening, there's a lot of notes, there's, you know, short bits of time where we're trying to support and be in communication with you. And in that, there's always the potential that, you know, maybe we didn't respond to your note or the response you got didn't feel like we heard you or in the discussion meeting, we didn't quite attune to you in some certain way or even Q&A in the hall. Um, And, uh, you know, challenges being on this side too, some of the notes we get and some of the demands that are made on us. Uh, So we have this process that I'm going to invite us into to kind of acknowledge all these um, forces and the complexity of being in relationship together. So I'm going to just read this... uh, five-part ceremony. We, the teachers, acknowledge the harms to the Sangha through our actions and inactions of body, speech, and mind, intentionally and unintentionally. We pledge to do our best to atone and seek repair. We apologize. We ask for your forgiveness. For the harms that have happened to the teachers through the actions and inactions of body, speech, and mind by those in the Sangha, intentionally or unintentionally, we forgive you. We invite you to consider your own inner or outer process of acknowledgement, atonement, and repair. For the harms that happen to members of the Sangha, through the actions and inactions of body, speech, and mind by others in the Sangha, intentionally or intentionally, we invite you to forgive each other. We invite you to consider your own inner or outer process of acknowledgement, atonement, and repair. For the harms that we each cause to ourselves through actions and inactions of body, speech, and mind, Intentionally or unintentionally, we invite self-forgiveness. For the continuing harms to the earth and the countless living beings of the earth through our collective actions and inactions of body, speech, and mind, intentionally and unintentionally, we pledge to do our best to atone to seek repair, we apologize and we ask for forgiveness.
I was just uh, invited to start our saying goodbyes. And so I was like feeling the, you know, how we are always in this place of beginning again. And and the beginning, then there's the ending. Um, so I, I just really want to offer just this really deep sense of appreciation. Um, it's it's a, such a gift to be with people who are making this commitment to wake up in the world, you know, and just to really make that commitment to come come into community, come into ourselves. And so thank you. Just thank you so much. I just honor each and every one of you for showing up in the ways that you have. And just very grateful for that. I would love to see you again on the Dharma path. You know, I teach in various places. I have a, a website that on Spirit Rock and you can click through and that's where I um, list all the different places that I teach here in California. I also teach on the East Coast occasionally as well, so different time zones. Um, so just it really um, allow that spark if there's been something moved in you. Just figure out what the, what are the ways to just keep um, keep that alive in different ways. So thank you so much. We'll see you again. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention, um, I only wanted to mention this, I'm, I'm teaching an LGBTQIA retreat at the Insight Retreat Center in Santa Cruz. And so those of you who are part of that community, um, the registration is open now, even though the retreat's in January. And it's a wonderful small center. And one of the beautiful aspects of that community is they're able to support it with an Aldana program. And so um, the, it's very accessible because of the benefits of the community, the particular community they have. So if you are interested in that, that's, you can go through my website and see the information about the Insight Retreat Center. And that's in January, but the registration's now. Yeah, I'll just add my, my goodbyes. Um, and just to say that it's been a real honor and very um, humbling to see the dedication in this room. So uh, thank you for inspiring me to continue my practice, um, which with you know heartfelt earnestness. Um, and uh, I need I need to have that reminder of what this can be, and. Thank you for sharing your true experiences, your true, who you are, who you are really with, with us, with me. Um, and uh, I, I am still kind of in a, I'm a new teacher, so I'm in a, an emergence process around it. And I'd, um, I've learned that um, ideas about where I want to be are not very useful. <laughs> so I really do just have to pay attention to the process that's unfolding. And so I, I don't have a website, not on Dharma Seed quite yet, but maybe I will be, we'll see where this goes. And um, uh, I am going to be teaching again here at Spirit Rock and to, you can kind of 
look at the calendar. Um, if you would like to meet up again uh, in the future, I would like that. And um, yeah, there's a, a, I'll just name, there's an LGBTQI retreat coming up here. Uh, maybe you could go to both. <laughs> and um, there's a forgiveness retreat in November, uh, December, and and then a retreat that I'm teaching with a dear, couple of dear friends, um, and uh, yeah, I think I think that's about it. Uh, take take really good care. Uh, really appreciating how much goodness there is in this room. People that are willing to put their lives on hold to uh, cultivate something vitally important. For me, it's the it's the solution to our multiple planetary crises for us to get more connected. Um, so thank you for that. It's very inspiring and moving. The sincerity of your practice. Feel that, and uh, I um, do have a website. I'm teaching lots of different things: residential retreats, day longs. I'm going to be offering some classes soon on Zoom. Um, in particular, there's a retreat here at Spirit Rock that happens over the Thanksgiving period. That surprisingly is not full. Usually, we have huge waiting lists. Uh, this is a a retreat that Adam will be there uh, as a full teacher, and we're um, blending a mix of different Buddhist lineages, and the effect of that is that there's a lot more devotional practice. There's a lot of chanting. There's chanting and bowing. There's invoking the archetypes of uh, Bodhisattva of compassion, there's a Kuan Yin statue in the back. And she's sitting in her posture of royal ease, but ready to leap into action to meet the suffering of the world. So um, if you have time over Thanksgiving, it's a longer retreat. It's nine days. Um, wonderful to have you there. And uh, I do mentorship for people, one-on-one who are interested uh, on a Donna basis, so uh, I'm easy to find. You can look me up. I'd love to stay connected. Thank you for your practice. Yeah, I just want to say thank you. Yeah, uh, many times, many thank yous, uh, just for this week uh, and for your practice. It's amazing how much transformation can happen over such a short period of time. And it's, it's really moving and really beautiful to, to see. Um, this uh, practice has so radically transformed me and my life. And um, my encouragement for you is to just keep going with it. You know, just uh, when it gets difficult, just practice, you know, when things get rough, practice. And when things get really good and joyful, practice. Like, always practice. Keep the practice going. And uh, uh, the 
fruits and the benefits will, will just arise naturally. It doesn't have to be forced. Um, I uh, have a website. It's my name with .com on the end. And uh, I uh, um, do Dharma teaching and retreats and courses and, and uh, support, practice support and movement and things like that. And I also have a, a list out there for you to put your, your email on there. I will email you uh, you put on my list. And uh, I really look forward to practicing again uh, with you in the, in the future. Yeah. Thank you all so much. I'd just like to say one thing. Sometimes we have more time and we retake the precepts, but I'm hereby releasing you from your vow of chastity that you took when we arrived. So um, now we are going to engage in, in another practice, centuries old, of cleaning the temple. So this is, this is a, a, a practice of devotion to, to this space now made sacred through blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> yours. <laughs> and um, so what we will do is um, we will... Do this in silence, and there's things that need to be done. So what, what we'll do is we'll be opening both sets of doors here, and um, if it's possible to prop them open, the first person who goes through can prop them open. If you're sitting, what will need to happen is the, the zafus and the zabatons, any of the matting and the pads that you're sitting on will need to be carried out and given a hearty clapping. Just move the energy through and the dust. Um, So let's kind of create a flow here. Um, Let's exit this door and then come back in through the rear set of double doors. And then just neatly stack your, um, the, the Zafus and Zabatons in the shelving. And then the chairs will also need to be uh, stacked in, in twos and then set a, a, maybe a foot away from the wall, just on the perimeter. And um, blankets can be returned in the, the cupboard in the back, just uh, underneath that back altar. And then the yoga mats are uh, just in the foyer there to the right, if they could be stacked neatly. And then and then after after we um, we do that, I think did 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 Max assign other more in depth jobs? Yeah. Okay. So before you go to your other in depth jobs, come back to uh, closing final final closing circle. Stand in a circle. And. Um, we will. I will be playing another chant for those of you who 
were here last night, I played a chant from a dear spiritual friend of mine. Um, they didn't want to be named because they're very humble. And the chant that we're, I'm going to play is a, is a protection chant. So... If you uh, are, um, if you have some physical uh, limitations that uh, make it difficult to to tend to the cleaning, that's a, you know perfectly fine. Just uh, just wait for a little bit, or you can ask for assistance as needed. That it's okay to break silence for that. So just just a little bit more silence. In <laughs> okay. Yandu ni mitanga wa mangalancha Yo chamana po sakuna sasado Papaga ho de supinang akantang Udanuba wena wena samentu Yandu ni mitanga wamangalancha Yo chamana po sakuna sasado Papaga ho du supinanga kantang Dhammanu bawena winasamentu Yandu nimitanga wamangalancha Yo chamana po sakuna sasado Papaga ho du supinanga kantang Sanganu bawena winasamentu Sadu, sadu, sadu Yandu nimitanga wa mangalancha Yo chamana po sakuna sasado Papaga ho du supinanga kantang Budanu bawena winasamentu Yandu nimitanga wa mangalancha Yo chamana po sakuna sasado Papaga ho du supinanga kantang Dhammanu bawena winasamentu Yandu nimitanga wamangalancha Yo chamana po sakuna sasado Papaga ho du supinanga kantang Sanganu bawena winasamentu Sadu, sadu, sadu
Purang, purang, purang one day. Damang, damang, damang one day. Sanggang, sanggang, sanggang one day. Sanggang one day Burang, burang, burang one day Damang, damang, damang one day Yandu ni mitang Yo chamana po sakuna sasado Papaga ho du supinang akantang Buddha nuba wena wina samentu Yandu ni mitang awamangalancha Yo chamana po sakuna sasado Papaga ho du supinang akantang Dhammanu bawena winasamentu Yandu nimitang awamangalancha Yo chamana po sakuna sasado Papaga ho du supinang akantang Sanganu bawena winasamentu Sadu, sadu, sadu Purang, purang, purang one day. Damang, damang, damang one day. Sanggang, sanggang, sanggang. Bye.
Your Sangha, thank you for that beautiful ritual of caring for our dear temple area here and just the emptiness that we have created here, which will allow for the fruition of more people to come and to continue this practice. So taking a moment to look around the room at these people who we've shared this retreat together with honoring their journeys. Please enter the circle. There's room. Come on in. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, knowing that there's some things we may know, some things we don't know, just really honoring each other's journeys. And we're going to engage in this last ritual, which we, which is of the dedication of merit. There's a deep understanding that our practice here is not only for our own benefit, but that it goes out in countless directions to support our communities and their well-beings. And so we take this moment to reflect on that and offer our practice to all beings. So reflecting on our time together, our intentions, our actions of body, speech, and mind, all that we've cultivated, all that we brought forth, all the seeds we've watered of kindness, of intentions for effort and compassion and kindness and joy, diligence, patience, offering all of the benefits of our practice, all of the merit, all of the beauty, all of the wisdom in all directions, freely allowing us to know how deeply our lives are intertwined and offering the benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere be free from suffering. May all beings everywhere have opportunities to practice silence and stillness and inner cultivation of the wisdom of their hearts, minds, and bodies. We offer any merit of our practice to all beings everywhere so that all beings may be free from suffering.
Thank you all. The retreat is officially ended. Silence is broken or opened or you're free to speak and um, engage in those ways that we will with each other. Um, the teachers will be around for a little bit, but probably 15 or 20 minutes we'll begin moving down the hill. So I know also there's some people who will be meeting to begin the cleanup and thank you all so very much. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, so since <laughs> since the this temple floor needs to be mopped, maybe we can bring our conversations out to the, the courtyard. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.